Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello, welcome to Going Off Track. Hello! Coming at you from Brad's beautiful apartment. Yeah. It's nice. This is a good time of day. So I had to pull the shades. It's so sunny. It is sunny. I went to yoga. I should do some work, but I'm going to go to the Russian bathhouse after this. I had a bagel. I'm having like, I'm just going to have like my still- Jewish chill Friday. You've never been. I, I know. I keep, I need to you go, go today? with you. I'm not going to go. I'm so slammed right now. This is, I got to finish up. I am too, but week. I'm just not doing stuff I should be doing. Yeah, but I can't. I have, de- I have a deadline. You have deadlines. I'm not going. I will go. I'll go. Okay. We'll go. You know what? Maybe next time we do these intros, we'll get Benny in here. Yeah, I've gone with Benny a couple of times. Benny actually got a, they, they upsold Benny. He was buying one and they were like, yeah, buy five passes. Really? Yeah, that's how they do it there. <laughs> yeah. So he's ready. To, he's he's, he's go. good to go. But, you know, they alternate owners every week. So his pass is only good every other week. Oh, really? There's two owners. They don't advertise with And it's by like the way. two different clubs? It's crazy. It's Boris and David. David's son owns it, and Boris is this kind of older guy. And they have spl- they had a falling out and split everything. So they have a calendar, and they alternate weeks. So it's weeks. literally like when they, you like have kids and you have to... Yeah, they have a have different co- staff. They have a different thing, and they just run it every other week. And if they sell... Like, only David does Groupons. Boris will just try to sell you stuff in person. And, <laughs> and they just... Their coupons, the passes, they're totally different passes for every other week. Really? Yeah. And they've operated like that for as long as I've been going there. Oh my God. Isn't that wild? Yeah, that's, that's, that's insane. Yeah. <laughs> it's very hard to, exp- like, once you start going, you just know, you just go on the site or have a little card that says when Boris's weeks are. And then there's all these people that are like, David does Groupon, so it's like all like the newbies. Like they, they look down and like Boris keeps it hotter because it's like the legit. Pe- like it's there's all the regulars there have right, all these opinions right. about like this oh, guy's. God, there week. must be it just must be so many regulars. That place it is it's all regulars. I mean, pretty, I mean not all, but it's a lot. It's literally a place that I've been meaning to go for like over twenty years. Like I mean, I used to, I used to live you know like yeah. four blocks away from there. I know, man. I go. I go. Boris Weeks. I. I have a like an annual membership now. Oh, really? That's yeah. He upsold awesome. it to me, and I, I got. And uh, yeah, I go. I go like twice a week. Yeah, I'll go. I definitely will go. Yeah, I'm not gonna butt off. Just no way today. Okay, There's fair no enough. Way. You know where else we should go? We should go see Sam. I am. Let's go to 
Criden? Is that what it is? <laughs> yes. Very good. They are playing the Neshaminy Creek Brewery Company's five-year anniversary party with a free show on June 10th in Criden, Pennsylvania. Did I mention it's free? Yes, I did. And the day, day before that, June 9th, Garwood, New Jersey, at Crossroads. Um, you can get tickets for at Ticketfly, and they're also heading to Europe in July. Check out their Facebook page at Sam I Am Fancy. We love Sam I Am. We love beer, too. We love beer. I recently watched their performance of Capsized on the Jon Stewart Show. Oh, really? Yeah, which is on YouTube. I'm going to check that out. It's pretty good. Um, they look like they're like four years old. <laughs> um, today on the podcast, uh, we have a friend of Stevens, uh, Alex Zalbin. He is a managing editor for TV Guide and TV.com. He also does the podcast Comic Book Live for Nerdist. Um, he used to work at MTV and AMC. He has uh, a bunch of Twitter followers, and he's really nice. Yeah, he's a nice guy. He's very nice. We talked a lot about politics. It's a very civil podcast. Talked about, hear. yeah, TV, um, a lot of comic stuff. Uh, so if you're a comic fan, uh, obviously Steven knows a ton about that. We have an, And we had Josh Bayer on a couple weeks ago. So we've been trying to get more comic dudes into the mix. Um, you know, rec- recruit more women. That's it for the audience. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we do. Uh, just We're FYI, uh, I have gotten some some comments about not enough women on the podcast. And I want to say... And we agree. Yes, I want to say we agree, and I also want to say that uh, we have some really good ones coming up. Um, yeah, that's true. That happen very organically, and that are really good. So if this these these last few, we recorded this at Pulse Music with Steve Grawalski, and it was great. But it's a lot of dudes in one room. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> to the point where we're like, the last time we did have a woman on, she was like, "This feels like it's just like five dudes staring at me." <laughs> But uh, we're working on that, and uh, yeah, we've got some great ones. But yeah, thanks to Pulse Music for letting us do it. Steve Grawalski. Um, let's get into and it, And let's dude. just get into it. Yeah, so uh, yeah, let's get into it with Mr. Alex Zalbin. It's going on! We destroy. <laughs> Steven, did you see that? What? Did you see Jonah get called a pud? On Twitter today, no, and then, by, uh, by some... and then fire back. <laughs> That's guy. amazing. Yeah, he really came with wait, it. I want to wait till we're recording because I really want this guy to I hear think it. We're recording. We're recording. We're recording. Talk about it. Okay, this is a good so, guy to talk about because so, Alex spits hot fire on Twitter. Oh yeah, yeah, I, Alex. I, I do. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh. I'm declaring it. Yeah, real okay. quick, welcome Alex Zalvin. <laughs> Alex Zalvin from a uh, TV Guide, and um. Please correct me, tvguide.com and TV Guide, or does it all... Nope, no, 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 no. tvguide.com. Uh, I should mention probably in advance, views do not reflect those of my employer. Yes. If we're getting into anything. Yeah, oh, we will. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> uh, cool. Uh, I also host a show called Comic Book Club for Nerdist. It's a weekly live show in New York, and it mixes comedy and comic books, and we have guests on, and that's through the Nerdist Network. Yeah, awesome. man. Yeah, so how you do you deal with it when people call you names... On Twitter, because I dealt with that today. Yeah, yeah. he got called a pud. Which, a pud? Hey, for reference, what, what is a pud? Penis. Do we know? That's a penis. Just a penis. Yeah. Yeah, a penis. No yeah. This guy was like, I posted the Russian. the people over forty. I, I posted the <laughs> the Russian circles episode, and the guy was like, I wish I could listen to this, but the hosts are such such puds. And I was like, one host. It's just me. I'm the only one that hosts that. <laughs> so so I, now, I'm gonna he t- must have thought a band member was a pud Ugh. because no. he went plural. Maybe, and then I wrote back. I wrote back. Um, really sick burn. All, all twenty nine year followers must have loved that. Mm. Wait, with that's four a good, he really had fire emoji yeah. with yes. the fire emoji. But how do you deal with that? Because I try to let serious. stuff go, but then sometimes I'm like, you know, I'm, I don't want to like. 
But he was begging for I'm not him a doormat. With the 29. Yeah, I think I think it depends on how good your comeback is. Like, yeah. I, I started out in comedy and way by, back at the dawn of YouTube, we were putting up clips. So I got used to people t- telling me that I was a total asshole pretty quickly. <laughs> YouTube was like the original, like, horrible place before <laughs> yeah. Twitter, right? Yeah, it was yeah. basically like, hey, guys, here's a funny sketch with it. And they were like, I hope you die. So, <laughs> right. um, so I, I learned, first of all, not to respond to the stuff. But when I did, what I would usually do on YouTube, and I still kind of do on Twitter sometimes, is I try to be as nice to them as possible, like thank them for their input and say, oh, thank you so much. I really appreciate that. On Twitter, mostly now I ignore people, but if it is something like that, like I'll usually insult them for being an egg or insult the number of users they have. <laughs> yeah. Or the easiest one, I, I for better or for worse, I get up in Trump's Twitter feed a oh, whole yeah. lot and consistently... People are like you're a stu- you're a stupid idiot, but they spell it Y O U R, and so it's the easiest thing in the world to just hit back your with the correct spelling, and that just, it's very satisfying. <laughs> I feel like I've been seeing them mess up conjugation on Twitter so much because Trump that does they should himself. just stay ahead of it by now. Yeah, you know, like they must have seen this your your thing by now. No. They don't they care. Just Real ignore- Americans don't spell. Oh, is that That's it? True. Is it like is Make it America like a point of again. pride? <laughs> like I'm not going to bother with this because they're going to correct me. Probably Par- partially, yeah. Huh? Because that liberal so. elite wow. can't. Uh, you know, they're worried about spelling and not about jobs. I don't know. <laughs> Stupid. But before before we dive in, because I I, I think this is important. I just want to pull out. Alex and I got to work together at MTV for a super fun website called MTV Geek. And we had a, there's a couple of people that I worked with before Alex came in. But when Alex came in, like the, the office was like electrified because like, oh. he's gonna, dude, this guy knows everything and everybody and it's just cool. And everybody was super psyched. And, and then you, nine months later, it shut down. Yeah, then it shut down. <laughs> but it was, but so you it must have really been cool. It yeah, was cool. <laughs> we had, I had more fun and I, I feel confident saying this. Like you are like the Matt Penfield of comics. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Wow. Like there was, you would throw out stuff that I would go, wow, he's saying this just for me. Like I'm the only one who gets this reference and I'm stoked on it. Oh, I thought you were saying because I'm, I'm bald and I have a growly voice. No, no, not that. Not that, not that. No, because you, I remember um, there was, uh, you tweeted something about, Benny and I were just talking about this. There was like an editor who was leaving, I think, Marvel and heading out and you were just bummed about this particular editor. And I remember thinking, I got to step up my game. I like stop at writer and after artist. I'm not thinking about who's like, editing and, and keeping it together but now you wrote you wrote for marvel how long ago a uh, bunch of years ago now I, I mean it started with the comic book show that i was doing um i met a bunch of folks through that and eventually was like what if i pitch them and i asked could i pitch you and i pitched them a ton pretty much nonstop. ended up getting a, a story which is in continuity where hulk dates dazzler i don't know if that means anything <laughs> to you guys it means so much yeah there you go uh, so i did that and then i got to do a four issue thor power pack series basically nobody knows who power pack is but they're kid heroes and i love them and it was a dream to do uh, and then the biggest thing i did just relatively speaking, was a X-Men comic book for Taco Bell that was given out at Happy Meals. So wow. of everything that I've done in my life, that's probably been read or slash used as a napkin by the most people. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I, 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 going back, I read Power Pack. <laughs> yeah. I had like the first four issues of the miniseries and then it branched out when they changed the names and all that. It was four children who got powers from, from this alien but it was supposed to be all the powers together, but they were siblings, so they spread them out. And 
one could fly really fast, one could control gravity, mm-hmm. and one could, what, laser memes? No, it could just, like... She absorbed energy. You're yes. thinking Katie? She absorbed that's energy it. and shot it out. All right, that's this? only three. Yeah, what's the other one? What did the fourth do? Oh, so there's... Wait, who did you say? Okay, so there's Mass Master. The names are very silly, but it's for kids. There's Mass Master. I've been looking for some band names, so this this actually (laughs) might work out. Lightspeed? Is that a good band name? Lightspeed? Lightspeed. Gotta be taken. I'll give it a Google. Remember when they they switched (laughs) powers? That's why I'm confused, because Lightspeed became Star Street. Right. This could go on forever. This right? could go on forever. Jonah's really into it, though, so don't stop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm just yeah, I'm absorbing usually, all this. <laughs> usually when uh, people are mean to me on Twitter, I just start telling them about Power Pack. <laughs> that shuts it down. <laughs> let's... Yeah, let's recount them. What do we got? We got Mr. Mr. Master. Master. We've got the powers of Mr. Mr. Kyrie Eleza. Tears for Fears and Songs from the Big Chair. Got Those it. Are the four members of Power Pack. Got That's it. That's pretty good. <laughs> Sounds very. I've cool. always been curious, like when I see how does the the collaboration work between a writer and an illustrator on a comic? It's different in every single iteration. I, I mean, I did the Marvel comic that I did was totally different than I did a Kickstarter comic. And for the Kickstarter comic, it was basically me and a friend who was an artist and it was just us doing everything. So that was a lot of working on the designs together. Like I didn't draw them, but he would send me sketches and I'd give some ideas. He would take them back, work on them a little bit more, throw out some ideas for characters. Do you go off a basic storyline first? So with that one, that was a lot of collaboration. With the Marvel thing... Specifically with the Power Pack book, they said, hey, we have this series of books where Power Pack teams up with heroes. So they had already had, God, I don't even remember who they had, but like Power Pack Avengers, Power Pack Fantastic Four. They had a couple of team-ups like that. And the Thor movie was coming out, the first one down the road. That's how old this was. Uh, And they were looking to put together Thor and Power Pack in an all-ages story. So that's basically all they told me. And they said, pitch based on that. So I came up with a pitch, and if I remember correctly, I came up with a pitch, sent it to the other, and they were like, that's not exactly what we're looking for. Maybe take it back, try something a little more along these lines. So again, I said to one-page pitch, um, and they ended up picking it up. Uh, And from there, what I did was do what you do with like a movie or a TV show or anything, where I took the one half-a-page pitch, and I fleshed it out into a couple of pages telling the story of the thing. Once the editor approved that, and we went, again, went back and forth with comments, um, I would do a thing, and this is a Marvel thing that I really liked a lot, called a page-by-page. So knowing that I had 20 pages, I would lay out essentially like the action and maybe some of the dialogue, maybe some of the jokes, if I was going for a joke on each page for each of the 20 pages. Again, the editor would give some tips, uh, and as long as when he was good to go, I'd take it to the script stage. Um, and scripts, there's no set script for how you write a comic book. It's yeah, I was going to say, it's like everything else has such a strict template. Yeah, it's but all a comic over the place. Book could go anywhere. Yeah, I mean, some people write out a thing called Marvel style, which is essentially like they tell that story and then let the artist take it from there. Then they fill in the dialogue. Other people, which I felt more comfortable with because I had written sketch comedy and other things, is I uh, I wrote full script, like like a screenplay style, essentially, with a couple of little tweaks because there's different pages and there's different panels and you have to lean into that. Um, and then from there, it's up to the artist. You know, it's collaborative. It's back and forth. Like they send sketches and you give some notes on it and the editor gives the notes. Artist? I did not choose the artist. So that's up to Marvel? Yeah. I was super lucky to get Guri Hairu, who is a pair of ladies... 
um, who are two of my favorite artists ever. Oh, so oh, nice. I was so psyched about working with them. Cool. Um, but yeah, they, they pair people up. I think when you get to like top tier level, you could probably say, I want that person. And right, they're like, right. whatever you want. But I was not that level. <laughs> <laughs> How do you choose what, like, do you think working in comedy and shooting, uh, shooting videos helped with panels? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there were things that I wasn't trying to write like a straight comedy book. I was trying to do something that had hopefully something a little deeper going on. It's the idea of the book, not to make it sound too morose, but uh, Power Pack's grandma, they're all siblings. Grandma is in the hospital and the doctor tells them they're dying and they say, oh, we live in a world where there's gods, like there's Thor and these fantastic creatures running around. We got to figure out a way to solve this. We can stop her from dying. So they go on this adventure to Asgard where they try to find Thor to find uh, the golden apples that make the gods live forever so they can heal their grandma. So the, that's the idea of the story. But at the same time, I didn't want it to be like, death, children, <laughs> deal with death. <laughs> so there's jokes in it where like the first issue, they had specifically said, hey, we have these characters called the Pet Avengers who are all the pets of the Avengers who have teamed up together. And it's ridiculous and hilarious. <laughs> They're like, we want to have them in the first issue. Led by Lockjaw, right? Uh, yeah. Uh, Throg. Th no, Throg. right. Yeah, the Thor frog the is the Thor leader. frog. Yeah. I was close. I was but one no, off. Lockjaw is important. I'm the Iron Man's pet. Yeah, Lockjaw is a teleporting dog. And so I wanted to have this bit where they're having a very important conversation in the foreground. And in the background, Mass Master teleports away, disappears for a panel, and comes back with like uh, a lay and a fruity drink, you know, just because he'd just gone to get that while everybody else is having a serious conversation. <laughs> and so for something like that, like knowing the pacing of how to do sketch comedy really helped. Wow. Uh, huh. Did you get hooked up with any Taco Bell bucks for your uh, collab? <laughs> no, I went to so many Taco Bells to try to find the comic because I didn't even get set to copy. Oh, man. Are then, you kidding me? <laughs> yeah. Did you track one down? Eventually? I did eventually track one down. Okay. I had to eat a lot of Taco Bell before. Have you tried the cantina meal? The cantina? Have you tried those? Those are like kind of the higher end. Uh, I don't know. Dude, a burrito, a is cantino this... burrito, there's like six or seven bucks. They're not table service? No, but I mean they use like there's some chef design. I don't know. You've been in a, a band on tour, you stop at Taco Bell. I've had Taco Bell bucks. Yeah. Yeah. Does it have like black best. truffle in it or No, it's just like <laughs> the lights dim. I think they're <laughs> it's not that much better. I, I don't know exact a lot about it. The beans yeah, do. don't come dried and you add water. <laughs> I just They're know I somehow, beans. I somehow spent like $12 on a meal at Taco Bell, which How's I thought was impossible. You know what? I actually have spent that much at Taco Bell. My Taco Bell order is an expensive Taco Bell yeah, order. Yeah, what's your order? I'm a cheesy gordita crunch man. I knew but it. sub beef... <laughs> Add beans, of course. Got of it. course. Yeah. And they're, especially outside of the East Coast, and I've had to teach some people this on tour, there's a very important pacing to that order, or else you will not get your order correct. You have to say, cheesy gordita crunch, pause. <laughs> no beef, pause. <laughs> Add beans. If you don't leave these in here, there's no chance, like, no offense to Kansans or something <laughs> to listen to this. They can't understand the concept of taking the meat out. You know, unless I came in in like, in like full Hindu gear, they just simply don't understand. So I just have to say it quite succinctly. Like I know what I'm doing and with those pauses and it works. But if you don't do it, you're screwed. Don't even try a drive through. I just rolled my eyes. He's listening. The podcast eye roll. <clears throat> now, how long is, how long is um, uh, Comic Book Club been going on? 
uh, over 10 years now. Holy crap. I know. Mm. My God, we're spring chickens. Yeah. Wait, how long have you guys been doing this podcast? Like three? No, oh, longer no. Than three. <laughs> I've been doing <laughs> it for three, and you guys were... Episode 245. Yeah. That's or 246. Five years, my friend. Yeah, five, like no years. shit, really? We've been definitely recording for five years. I think we've been live for that, too, actually. Oh I've been gosh. doing like three years, and this was a well-oiled machine. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know... You yeah, get John, in there. John and Brad are like the stalwarts, and I've been rotating in and out because of that thing called life. But I want to know what happened to the to this other superhero, Kickstarter, because he sounds like a rad dude. Oh no, I wasn't a. He was a Kickstarter for. Jeez, oh, <laughs> oh, you boy. said that. I thought that sounds like yeah. sounds like a superhero. No, name. it's it's much darker. I feel like uh, you guys are in this cool studio, and I'm talking about kids' comics. But no, uh, it was no. a Kickstarter for a book called Detective Honey Bear, and the idea of it was this that, is a safe place, Alex. Thank you very much. Uh, I have a precious little snowflake. Um, <laughs> it's uh, it's a comic book called Detective Honey Bear, and the idea is that it's this adorable little bear who solves dark, gritty mysteries and he talks with an adorable Wallacism, um, <laughs> which was a really challenge. It was a challenge to write, like all the W's and changing everything, all the R's and L's and everything. Um, but yeah, that was the idea of the Kickstarter. So we did two issues of that and they're up on Comixology and occasionally people write me and they're like, hey, I read this. Will and you do so more? how many issues like did you, did you publish? We ended up, we had uh, prepped one issue is like a preview for the Kickstarter and then the Kickstarter was mostly for the second issue to actually print it. Off of there, we ended up putting it up on this platform called Comixology that sells digital comics, which was amazing. Um, and to Stephen's point about life always getting in the way, I had a couple of kids and then the artist had a couple of kids and we haven't been able to get it back together right. to do a third so issue. It's all digital though. Uh, no, I have print issues sitting in my house if anybody wants to come over and <laughs> buy them or read them or <laughs> give them out or whatever you want to do. Um, now, I'm just curious because I'm really interested in, you know, self-publishing yeah. and, um, and especially hard copy. I just feel like, you know, let's face it, digital's cop out. Dude, my library has an <laughs> app that has comics. Like my library has sent me emails going, the newest DC Rebirth. And I'm like, it's... it. I love it, but it also fascinates me that my library is sending me a message about something they have that I, I would have paid for, right. but now I can just read on it. I've, I've held back from the digital thing until this app. I've, I haven't wanted to read comics on it. It's an impressive library, iPad. though. <clears throat> Mine's still on some microfiche. Oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah. Microfiche yeah, I don't comics? know about emails and stuff from my library. No. They have a library in Jersey City? <laughs> they do. Yeah. <laughs> and it looks like, it looks like uh, first scene in... Um, in Ghostbusters, yeah, yeah, like it's it's like pretty old and, and creepy building. Alex, what do you think of the digital comic thing? I mean, I like it. Yeah. I almost exclusively read all of my comics digitally on the iPad now. Like I used to carry because we do the weekly show. I used to carry like thirty or forty comics with me on the way to work. Mm. That wasn't manageable. That was not a good idea. <laughs> um, Digitally, I can do the same thing. I can carry hundreds of them, and they're all on the iPad. Did you have a awesome. cool bag that you like played off something cooler than that was in? No, I was a total dork. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean cooler than? Yeah. Well, that actually, that actually is something I was curious about. Is like a lot of the things you work for and you're part of use the words like nerd and geek, and it's obviously something that's like part of your identity. I was curious, like at what point 
in your life were you able to like own that when it's like this is me i don't give a fuck like i'm a nerd cool you know so doing the show really helped uh, uh 10 years ago I was artistic director of a theater called The Pit, which is actually up the block from here where we're recording. And I had jotted down a bunch of ideas in my pad for different shows. And one of them, I was a comic book fan, but like comic book movies hadn't really hit their peak or even close to that at that point. So I thought comic book talk show, wouldn't that be interesting? That would be an interesting thing to try out. Uh, and one day... A guy named Pete LePage, who was on one of the teams at the theater, came in and he was carrying a Midtown Comics bag. And I pointed at him and he said, hey, you're a comic book fad. And he looked at me and he's like, what? No, no, I'm not. Leave me alone. What are you talking about? And I was like, relax, I am too. And I explained to him. And then another guy, Justin Tyler, who was pitching a show to the theater, came in and he also was holding a Midtown Comics bag. Same thing, same thing where he was like super embarrassed about it. Uh, And then the three of us sat down and we quickly hashed out the show and like an hour i had some space free and we started doing it and it was nerve-wracking like i've i've done performance for a while i don't usually get nervous going on stage doing that first show or even those first couple of shows was terrifying because we were sitting in public in front of an audience tur- talking about nerd things um but very quickly we got over it and i feel like the world started to change where Marvel movies were the biggest thing in the world. Every TV show is based on a comic book now. So it's not the stigma it once was. And based on the fact that like we're doing a weekly show and then we very quickly got hired to do like a three times a week new show. And then down the road, I was working with Steven on MTV geek. I couldn't do those jobs and also be embarrassed about that stuff at any way. So it took, it took a little while, but I think the based on the world changing and based on just, delving full-fledged into this nerd identity as opposed to the cool theater identity that I had before or the cool comedy identity. (laughs) Um... It, it to was. illustrate, there were quote marks, quote marks <laughs> yes. around. Thank you. Yes, yes. Sound effect audio for it. Yeah, what's up with that, Brad? <laughs> I think about you this all overdone, the time. Overdone. Richard Dreyfus mustache. And we have. Do no you listen to these things when they're done? Do you? Because not it'll often. all be there. <laughs> <laughs> not often. <laughs> I think to myself every week. I'm like, if you would have told my like 12 or 13 year old self that was like, oh cool, I get to watch a show with Rip Hunter in it tonight. <laughs> right. I'm so psyched. Um, oh wow, Supergirl's on too. My kids can watch this. And, um, oh wait a minute, they're gonna do finally the rated R Wolverine movie. Like it's all, it's now just so. Is that Logan? Yeah. I haven't seen it yet. Heard it's great. I haven't seen it either. I'm very psyched about did it. Did you see it, Alex? I did see it. Good? Yeah, it's good. Okay. I, I'm, I'm the worst person to ask because I went in and I was like, yeah, it's good. And, but everybody else loved it and I think it's well made and. What gives you like the tepid reaction? Why are you pulling back a little? I mean, I don't know. There were a couple of things that held me back, and I don't know how much you want to get into spoilers for it necessarily, but there's I think one. It's fine, actually. No. No. <laughs> no. I'll definitely never see this movie, but, but yeah, you don't, whatever you want to do. All right. Well, okay, I'll keep it very vague. There, there are two things in Jonah's particular that kind doing of doing mushrooms, listening to One Life Crew, man. He has no idea. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it takes place in 2029, and. Oh, okay. There's a key sequence in the middle where they get some information from this lady who is a nurse in a secret facility and she's trying to sneak out some kids. Uh, and they watch a video on her phone where she's explaining what was secretly going on. It's really well edited. 
Like mm. an extremely well edited, where she's like, I'm on the run. I'm being chased by these bad guys. I'm a regular nurse. My only training is being a nurse. But also, I'm very good at iMovie on my phone. <laughs> I'm going to make sure the transitions are good and the voiceover is good. I'm even going to use different angles at point, even though, you know, I'm in a secret facility. So, like, it'll look real nice for you. So, you get the information really nice. So, that took me out of it. And then the other thing that took me out of it is like, I don't know. The fight sequences, and I don't know if you guys feel this way too, but like the fight sequences are good and there's some good violent Wolverine stuff, but it's also chopped to crap. Like uh, it, they chopped around it because. That bothers me. Yeah, I don't know. It could have been a classic if they just held on some of the fights mm-hmm, a little right. bit longer. And that took me out of it. What is it? That seems like a modern way yeah. of editing stuff like that. It's really annoying. It is do, annoying. Can younger people, do they even have the capacity no, to pay attention to it if it's watch not a, cut they like They can't that? watch a shot that's longer than there's, like there's, one there's, there's some kind of ratio about how long how long a shot was held over the decades. Like You can see like in the 40s, a shot was held this long, and now it's this long, and now it's like literally a second or two. Yeah. But what's interesting, you know, your iMovie thing... I've not seen the film yet, but I have a 10-year-old niece who is all about editing and has gone to editing camp for uh-huh. iMovie and will send me, like, amazingly put-together pieces on the phone that, again, just just one more thing to make me feel bad about my skill set is <laughs> <clears throat> that she rocks through it. So perhaps that nurse in 2029 mm-hmm. went to that camp with oh, my niece. Okay, that's What's a good, stopping <clears throat> you from <throat> learning it? Why do you have to be resentful of your niece? <laughs> I'm not resentful <laughs> you know? of her. I'm regretful and and um, envious of, like, uh, since I surround myself with musicians constantly, <clears throat> people that can practice and be cool with repetition and Steven's boredom. air drumming. I, w- I was air drumming. <laughs> Which, which again, with Benny in the room, is even hard to air drum now. Um, Stop. But- <laughs> I told you this is a safe place. Benny, he's you played know? at many major label records. Stop. <laughs> it's like, I can't, I can't, I can't. <laughs> I've come to the, I'm, I'm a Benny's very good blushing, perfectionist fan. I'm a very good fan of things as opposed to creating things. I'm, a, I'm, I'm comfortable as an appreciator now while still envious. But you're not of- a passive fan. You're a uh, <clears throat> proactive fan. I try to be. Yeah. I try to be, but... um. Uh, now I want now just to transition here because uh, Alex was very helpful to me. Um, uh, we we don't. Benny's been asking about these kind of things with people, and it 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 goes back and forth. But the election floored a lot of people. It's the first time in my life I've ever woken up crying over over the results. But <clears throat> you made me feel a lot better about, about it just by reading things you write online. Because Alex, you like it just seemed to like just electrify you like you you are the um like exactly what the base seems like the people that get fired mm-hmm. up immediately and if i would call you an activist now i guess so i yeah, don't know completely Maybe. and you have been tweeted and retweeted by major networks and things and things you've come up with things you've found out about it is <clears throat> it's super weird it's not something that i necessarily would expect it and if it stops soon i'd be happy about that too <laughs> like if we get back to a place where whatever normal is i'm making air quotes right now yeah. uh that that would be fine with me i'd be cool just tweeting about stupid nerd shit all the time and that would be absolutely a-okay um but yeah i mean i think I don't know. This is not to do. This has been something that I think, like, I've been angry and frustrated, like a lot of people, about for a very long time. I think that early in the election, I got very upset about everything that was going on. And 
in particular, not to get too much into my personal history, but I was raised Jewish. I went to, I was bar mitzvahed. I went to Hebrew high school part-time. Like it was a night thing where you learned about cool Jewish history stuff and whatever. And uh, one of the basics of everything that you learn in every part of Hebrew school is to not ignore history and look back in history and understand where we've come from and how specifically from the perspective of the Jewish people that they've been tortured and persecuted over millennia at this point. Um, but that all people that it happens that these things recur. So I was definitely feeling uncomfortable, weird about the election. And then um, the guy who is now our president started retweeting white supremacists. Uh, and in particular, I don't know if you guys remember, but he tweeted out a thing that he later said was a sheriff's star uh, on Hillary yeah. Clinton's oh, face right. on a big pile of money, yeah. um, which to anybody who has studied history, you can see pretty clearly that that is a white supremacist meme. It turned out that was a white supremacist meme. And then they doubled down on, no, 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 it was a sheriff star. What yeah. are you even talking about? Mm-hmm. Um, and that made my head explode. Uh, and it certainly set off alarm bells in terms of this is happening again. This is going to happen again. You guys, let's not be blind to it. This is happening again. So not that I stayed silent on social media, but certainly I put a lot of stuff out there. I definitely started calling and stumping for Hillary because I felt like that was the best way of reversing this and stopping this. Um, and we didn't. And it happened. And I I just feel like, from my perspective, and I, whatever anybody wants to do or can do, I think is completely fine you know we only do what we can but from my perspective i feel like this is the most important thing that we can be involved in and push back against probably in our lifetimes hopefully the only thing in our lifetimes so whatever i can do from the perspective of a guy who has a full-time job and has two kids that he has to take care of and cook for and put to bed and except when i'm doing podcasts uh and everything i i will do you know and that's partially through a Twitter feed. It's partially through making calls. It's going to protests when I can uh, and trusting that other people are picking up the slack when I'm not. I I find it fascinating because I like tried to get electrified myself and all I kept getting was sadder and sadder and sadder because I cannot compassionately see the point of view of people that voted that way. Because and I grew up with a with a military colonel father who was in the NRA, who uh, like unless it was a capital R in front of it, he never voted for anyone else. My mother is a registered Democrat who voted for Nixon twice. This is what I grew up with, and so uh, and but to my dad's credit, let me. He not let me, but it was like, sure, you want to do theater and dance, do theater and dance, whatever. Like he was just all shoot with, guns while you're doing it. Yeah, just just as long as you're armed, <laughs> it's really bad. As long as you're armed, out. you know. And it's like Brad and I've taught. Like I grew up with guns in the house, whatever. It wasn't. It was just one of those things. It wasn't only something, Oklahoma. You know right? exactly. <laughs> only Oklahoma, just like Hugh Jackman. They even fire guns in that. I don't think they do in Oklahoma. Yeah, there's a couple. Yeah, they fire sure. real guns at the end of every show, and they kill each other. And, I yeah, love it. Yeah, exactly. One performance only. Theater. You know, can't beat it. Rogers and Hammerstein. <laughs> See it. All comes back but like i kept getting sadder and sadder to the point where i've joked about it but i'm not kidding my therapist was like you have to stop get off social media because it's just like i wasn't sleeping it was affecting me because my brother is um is we've talked about in the podcast a lot is learning disabled and <clears throat> grow up like that you see i've seen people tease him people make fun of him you know he's in his mid-30s now but it's still hard for him he doesn't talk much but when 
someone running for office made fun of someone with a disability. And I think it was, I can't remember how many people have said it. Like, I'm surprised it didn't just shut down there. Right. And that I can't get past to the point where uh, I've got family members, I've got friends who I know have voted that way. And my first thought is, well, do you think that's cool? Because if you do, then we're not cool. And I don't think, well, we ever will be. I do think, though, there's a common misconception there, which I find interesting, is that I think a lot of those people don't find it cool. They're just willing to tolerate it as opposed to the alternative. Yeah, but it's willing to tolerate it, you know, to go back to history. <laughs> like, fuck you. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to tolerate these people being put on a fucking train. You know, I think I, about this a lot. Fuck like, that. Like, it's fuck like validating. Va- you're still validating the behavior. And I've been trying to come to terms with it in my head. I'm like, I'm a huge Beatles fan. Giant Beatles fan. There is footage of John Lennon making fun of retarded people. Like, flat out at the height of it. John Lennon, known forever as, you know, the super talented Beatle, but the, the douchebag Beatle. <laughs> you know, it's just like, I wrote Imagine, but I think I beat every girl I was married to, I think, and maybe a few more. So you have to, like, separate that. So I try to come to terms with that in my head when I'm searching for empathy for my fellow man. I didn't know any of this about John but, Lennon. Thanks, dude. For, for I, real? Yeah, he just yeah, he sort of oh, did. Yeah. But, I mean, how much, but, like, don't you think... I'm not defending any of that stuff, <laughs> but like I feel like society changes so much. Like things are sort of acceptable for a while. Like you can say fag or whatever, and then people are like, actually, that's not cool. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes, like everyone has to like catch up to it, or people have to get on the same page or something. Yeah, I do. I feel there's something people of our general generation got used to, which was we generally were part of some version of forward progress most of this time and even in the reagan years i think like social inequality didn't ring as loud as it does currently so i do think this is the first time like people like this like us i'm gonna lump us all in a in a category right now because i'm just assuming but uh (laughs) it makes an (laughs) ass out of you the first time we've like had a hit we need to fight We've had a digression that needs to get replaced. And, and, but this is like also common in history. It's common in social movements. Like there are these ebbs and flows. It's, I just wrote something about it. It seems like to me, every third generation of people starts to forget the last thing that happened. Right. And you bring up, you know, I'm also raised Jewish, no bar mitzvah, shitty parents. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> But I watched something happen like that in Germany. The first time I went to Germany was in the year 2001. And during that time, I noticed, and it was my first time there, so I was paying attention, that everything about the Holocaust was completely taboo. Like, you didn't even talk about it in public. The idea of, like, German nationalism was even taboo. Like, you weren't even supposed to sort of be publicly, like, a proud German. It was something that was, like a little weird and people didn't know how to take it. And because there was this very lasting haze over Germany about what happened and to their credit, their government, which progressed afterwards actually created this haze. You know what I mean? They make a, a, a very strong effort to make museums and memorials and educate and make people like that. And the first time I was there, I noticed that. And then I started going back with gaslight in probably 07 and 08 and by then 
something switched and we were playing this one squat house. It was during the uh, Euro Cup where Germany was playing other countries. And it was the first time in all these years that cars and houses were flying German flags. And to the squatter punks in these places, it was so offensive that they were uh, offering free admission to the show if you came with one of these German <laughs> flags. Like, you know, there was a real battle on and what. And, and the younger people I was meeting on that were saying this thing where they were like, it wasn't me. It wasn't my parents. It wasn't my grandparents. Why am I still being punished for it? Why can't I be a proud German? And it was such like ancient history to them. And they were so disconnected from it that they wanted to almost not recreate what they had, but but some sense of normalcy on the other side for them. So you're saying we're going to have to start having a Trump haze in a few years? No, I, I do <laughs> feel like these things happen, though. I mean, we're starting to get removed where... Uh, we're removed from that sort of post-World War kind of post-America mm-hmm. social... I mean, America literally dictated social democracy around the world after World War II. We've been doing it for like 70 years. It's part of some bizarre experiment that's never been done in humankind before. Mm-hmm. So the idea that like we're always just going to be like steaming ahead, I think is also like maybe naive and we got used to it and we got comfortable and we got to like glove up a little bit, you know, thing Alex you, that you do that gets me that I couldn't bring myself to do is you do it so well with humor. Like you'll say something like that says a strong point of view, uh, as an activist almost. And, but it's still biting and funny and it. Like, I don't know, it doesn't, it kind of, for me, it took the sting out of the, um, uh, well, it, t- it took the sting out of the defeat, I guess. Well, thank you, first of all. Uh, and then I think, it. first of all, it took me, a, like, second of all, I guess I already said first of all. Uh, second of all, <laughs> it took me a little while to get there. I mean, I at one point looked back at my tweets for no particular reason the day after the election. And they're dark. Like, they're real, <laughs> just dark, horrible, like, fuck you guys. I hope you fuck my joy <laughs> death. Things like that. Uh, but... Ultimately, (laughs) exactly. Uh, But I think eventually the way that I've tried to deal with everything in my life is through humor. And I found that humor tends to soften things for myself as well. Like I think I I had an experience years ago, which uh, I don't even remember what the sketch was about. But I I did a show called uh, The Palestinian-Israeli Conflict, A Love Story. And it was with a comedy duo that I was with. Uh, she's was and is Iranian, and I have Jewish descent. So we wrote a bunch of sketches. We were trying to do like actual comedy sketches, but deal with the Palestinian-Israeli conflict at the same time, but try to make them funny. Uh, and we went and did whenever we would do the show in New York, it would kill, and people would be like, "Yeah, we love it. Yes, we are on your side. This is awesome." And we ended up touring it around a couple of places and took it to Atlanta, which is not like deep non-liberal country but it's definitely a different audience than we have here in new york and people first of all laughed in totally different places which definitely Mm. took us out of it a little bit but we had a friend who we knew from new york who came to see the show with his dad who lived in atlanta and his dad has always been very strictly republican and always to your same as your family that you're talking about steven um 
had always voted Republican and always been like, I support things, I support things, I support things. He and his son had never talked about politics ever. Like his son knew never to bring it up. And they came to see the show. And after the show, he told us they were in the car and they were silent for a while. And then his dad was like, you know, I've, I've always supported Bush, but now, I mean, after watching that, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> and that that was it. Like that was the, and the sub was like, <gasps> I'm having a heart attack right now. What do I do? But I mean, that was an amazing thing to hear that we had affected him and just even ask, have him ask questions about it. But the reason I brought that up is I think I've always found that if you come out and you say something dramatic to somebody or you say something forceful, they're not going to listen to you because they're, you're going to be like, this is my side and they're going right. to say, no, this is my side. Yeah, you fight back and forth. Nature. Yeah, yeah, but if you're laughing at something, that's an agreement. Like you're already, you're in a positive place, but you're agreeing that this is a funny thing altogether. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why I've always found when you're doing political points or things that you believe strongly in, to make somebody laugh at them allows them to get to a place where maybe they can start accepting your point. Whether they do or not is up for debate, but at least it starts that process. And it builds a connection. Mm-hmm. You're, you're mm-hmm. both doing something at the same thing, right? Yeah, kind of exactly. Make, humanizes the experience, I guess. Yeah, totally. It's pretty cool. Yeah, satire is like I, one of my favorite things, probably, if not the, you know, and any kind of social commentary. I, I, is that why you have the two, like the theater masks tattooed on your neck? No, I was, no, it's, that's Motley Crue Theater of Pain. Oh, that's I'm why sorry. I have the. <laughs> you can't see the pentagram. You got to get it real close to see it. Yeah, but he's know. going off track, guys. <laughs> Hardcore. Home sweet home is where I'm going. <laughs> Do you wonder, Alex? I, I wonder this too, because I always, I. I if Motley Current, Crue will tour again, well, <laughs> after this that, well. no, they signed an agreement. They couldn't. If do I it. wonder, it'll put it out there that it could happen, and I don't want it to happen. <laughs> it should stop. It should he be should put stop. down. I think for Mick Mars' sake, it should stop. It needs I feel to be so bad. Put they just, just kind of like wheel get that dude out and there. Anything, th- anything even remotely high, Vince Neil has to sing. He has to do it about that far. Really? Oh yeah, it's rough. Yeah. I used to hang with Tommy Lee. It was this weird. Part of my Go life on. when I lived in when I when I lived, I worked at VH1 and I was doing some stuff in Methods Tom, of Mayhem era. No, no, uh, his solo album. Oh, okay, you know, when he was when he was dating uh, Mai Tai Garcia. Mai Tai Garcia. Yeah. That's a human. That's a real yeah, human. Yeah, Prince's Prince's <laughs> ex-wife. Oh wow! And it was just a weird thing. We're periodically I get a phone call from Tommy <laughs> like Steven. I'm like, <laughs> I don't want to go. It's very nice. Uh, I met him once. Cool. I was when I was in LA, like 2001. I parked behind it this huge suv and it had a giant <laughs> methods of mayhem sticker on the Ooh. back and i was like this has to be tommy lee because no one else listens to this band oh stop and, and i walked down to like sunset or whatever and he was standing in the corner and i said hi to him like i knew him and kept i was like tommy what's up he was like hey and i just kept going <laughs> i was like 20 yeah that's awesome. yeah, yeah that's nice how you do. sorry i totally hijacked your no it's okay question. alex i was wondering because i also i think yeah i think yes they will tour to answer, <laughs> <that>. <laughs> to answer your question. Yes. i agree with alex by the way yeah. i think they i don't uh, care no, the money's sign. there yeah the money's yeah there. they'll find some way they're gonna do a it. house of blues tour yeah probably. it'll be like motley Crue. they just want 22. the bread pudding yeah didn't yeah. they do the motley Crues? weren't they the ones who started that yeah they did do the motley Crues. oh it'd be so much fun <laughs> to play not to be on imagine that cesspooled hot tub be filled with shit and condoms and tobacco God knows, it'd be horrible. Mountain Dew, <laughs> a lot of Dew, but like do. Code Red too, yeah, like something yeah, yeah. terrible. I agree. Um, I was wondering because I run into this, like 
seemingly Donald Trump can't stay off Twitter, but more and more, and I'm getting the impression this is like tactical mm-hmm. rather than like a feeling. And I get this impression that um, he wants people with a a small voice to to use it there, you know, because he starts the conversation there. He throws out these things to to grab people's attention. And then he gets all these tweets. And while we're all doing this, the the devils are at work stirring the pot, kind of. Like, do you... I wonder if we're actually falling prey to his trick by posting on Twitter and being so active there. And if we're just screaming into a vacuum a little bit. I, I go back and forth about that, honestly. I think... He, he doesn't seem like a very smart guy, right? So to give him this, a lot of people have called it 12 dimensional chess, but like even regular chess, I don't think he'd be able to play. I think he just gets <laughs> mad about things and he tweets things that have bad grammar and barely make any sense. But that said, I do think they often have the ability to create this echo chamber of people just talking about his tweets and that's it. Um, I do find it frustrating when we're just putting tweets up on the news and reading tweets and talking about tweets and there's no context there. But I think people have learned from it. They're not just doing that anymore and they are starting to put context even in the chirons, which changes the conversation immeasurably because ultimately, even though we have entered a land where people are actually starting to read news again and try to understand context because we have all this fake news conversation, uh, I think at the same time, people still just look at things quickly for the most part and still just react to them quickly. So they see a Chiron at CNN and they freak out about that, or they see a headline from the New York times and they freak out about that. Um, so I don't know. I, I think, I think it does distract people, but I think also people are getting savvier about it. The, I mean, not to like get too inside baseball, but I've gotten to know some of the people who are like the first responders on Trump tweets uh, uh, and just through becoming friendly with them on Twitter. How do those people like I've actually wondered this, though. Do they are they just waiting for a tweet? How do they get top billing right there? Well, this is got to be people vying. And I I worry about saying this out loud because I don't want people to game it the other way. Well, the way, as far as I understand it with like, uh, without having looked into the background, the way Twitter's algorithm works now is it pushes tweets that have more of a conversation to the top. Uh, So I don't know if this is 100% true. I don't know necessarily the details behind it, but what I've noticed is first and foremost, you're going to see people that you're friends with most of the time. Like that's, if there's just a couple of, if there's five to 10 responses on a tweet, you're probably just going to see those in order. mm -hmm. But if you have something like a Trump tweet that has thousands and thousands of responses, the first thing you're probably going to see is somebody you're friends with. Second thing you're going to see is the biggest conversation piece. Mm -hmm. So I think what people have learned because initially you would go to a Trump tweet and you would see hashtag MAGA, get rid of the Jews, yeah, et cetera. Yeah, exactly. um, people learn, no, I'm going to be this first responder who's going to go in and not just hit up with one tweet, but thread yeah, tweets. Like because yeah. the other thing is that Twitter um, prioritizes these conversations. So even if you're conversing with yourself, it's going to prioritize those off of one tweet that's just in there. Hmm. So... Personally, for myself, I don't want to be a person who's just jumping on tweets because ultimately I don't know how much that's doing. But if I have something to say or have something I do want to respond about, I will jump in there as quickly as possible, try to thread a couple of tweets because I know 
my, in my version, from my political perspective, more positive attitude, something that is going to get information out there to people or a joke out there or something pointed that I'm angry at out there. I know Donald Trump isn't going to read it, but I do know other people are going to read it, which is going to prioritize it, which is going to push it to the top, which is going to push those negative MAGA death to all Jews tweets further down so nobody is actually looking at them. Mm. So that's the technique. It's interesting because I, I, now that you know, you know, you're sitting there explaining how that goes. And I I've noticed actually in the last year or so, the comments sections on these mm-hmm. threads are not nearly as Nazi ish. <laughs> Can we say this? <laughs> and they're Nazi? still there. I mean, I oh, put yeah, up a tweet and around, but... I immediately get hit up with like, I hope you die. All the YouTube comment style comments. But they give up quick. About. They're weak. Exactly. Yeah. Well, they have their eggs. They have no they're followers eggs. and yeah. you can make fun of them that way and then they get sad. Yeah, they call you yeah. a pud and then they're out. <laughs> yeah, and then we're done. So, everybody, Alex, thank you so much for hanging with us. Well, thanks I, for having me on. And please, please check out Comic Book Live on Nerdist if you haven't before and, and everything, Alex writes online because and you know you your reviews are always good (laughs) can i ask you one last thing before you go uh as a comic novice what's some new comics you'd recommend checking out so whenever anybody asks me this question i'm a total jerk and i ask you back what generally are the types of things you like i liked like transmetropolitan i liked a lot Preacher. Mm-hmm. I don't know a lot. Just whatever Stevens kind of widely. Yeah. Oh, man. but I mean, like, <laughs> when it comes to movies and TV, what's your favorite genre? Uh, wow. I watched some pretty weird you stuff. Sexual sci fi? Has Nick Cave ever written any <laughs> Well, comics? wait. If sexual sci fi, I have a recommendation for you. <laughs> yeah. I, do, I do. I love Battlestar Galactica. Yeah. Well, okay. No, so I want to hear sexual sci fi. Sexual sci fi. Yeah, there's a book called uh, Sex Criminals. That's oh, written so good. By oh, I need band Fraction, Oh, this is good. Uh, and criminals. Chip Starsky. And it's so basically. Good about two people who realize that when they orgasm, they can freeze time, and so they decide to use that to rob banks. Oh, my goodness. And it's hilarious <laughs> and great, and it eventually turns in on itself, <laughs> becomes meta and weird, and they end up, like a little bit of a spoiler, but the writer and artist end up in the book as recurring mm-hmm. characters. And so if you like Transmed okay. or things like that, you'll Sex Criminals it. is so good. It's excellent. Okay. I love it. And what a good band name. Yeah, that is a good one. Wow. Right. That has definitely been used. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you to Alex Albin. For Thanks, co- Alex. Coming by. Thanks, Stephen. Thanks, Stephen, for booking that. Thanks, Stephen Smith for Thanks, booking Thanks, Stephen Grywalski and Pulse Music. Um, like check them out. thing here? Yeah. <laughs> check them out online. Uh, record a session at Pulse Music. My band. My new band with Stephen Grywalski and my friend Dan are recording on Sunday. I'm really anxious to hear this. I have no idea cool. what it sounds like. It's going to be good. I'm very excited. Um, if you want to follow Alex Zalbin on Twitter, it's at Azalbin, and he has 22,732 followers, so you could be 22,733. Very exciting. Wow. Good math. Um, also wanted to once again mention those Sam I Am shows. Uh People are like, why are you so obsessed with Sandman lately, Jonah? I don't, these two shows in June. I don't know. I just am. <laughs> and you have the dates exactly. The dates it sounds here. like you're reading them off a piece of paper. I know. It's weird. I have a photographic <laughs> memory. June 9th, uh, Garwood, New Jersey at Crossroads. Tickets on Ticketfly. June 10th, Neshaminy Creek Brewery five-year anniversary party. Free show. Crichton, PA. Europe in July. At Sam I Am Fancy. Thanks to Pulse. Thanks to Brad. If you want to visit us online uh, at Going Off Track. Um, you can donate there. You can Venmo us at Off Track. That money goes to Brad's drug problem. 
uh, <laughs> you can, it really is going to the servers. I it's swear. going to the servers. It's going to the servers. The so servers bring are, another drink, server. Yeah, the ser- <laughs> servers are located up Brad's nose, apparently. Um, and uh, <laughs> um, or you can just leave us a good review on iTunes. You can tweet at us at Going Off Track. You can tell your friends about us. We have some really cool podcasts coming up. Some amazing guests. So, uh, so yeah. stay tuned. Stay for tuned, real. and we'll be back next next Wednesday as usual. Bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.